and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. This is episode six of our Pitchfest 2022 series where we chat to the founders and oceanpreneurs behind the Ocean Impact Pitchfest 2022 finalists. We are over halfway through now. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Helton. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Tim Silverwood. Can you believe it, Tim? Over halfway through. Oh, almost that time when you get a little bit sad, isn't it, Amelia, thinking that there's only another four episodes after this of the wonderful Pitchfest 2022 finalists. So true. And look, we've got a great episode today with Angus Hudson. He's the founder of Slurry Tub, uh, which was the second runner-up of Pitchfest 2022 and runner-up of the inaugural New South Wales Ocean Innovation Award. Tim, I love hearing Angus chat about Slurry Tub because it's a deceptively simple solution to a problem that so greatly affects waterways and the ocean. That's right. And for many people listening in, you're going to be going, okay, slurry tub, I've seen that. How is that an ocean impact innovation? But this is a problem that we really don't talk about. There is so much material that leaves building sites, which is super harmful to nature. And you might see it leaving that block of land and traveling down that driveway and entering the road or the stormwater system. And where does that go? That goes into local creeks and waterways and rivers and eventually the ocean. So all those materials are currently ending up creating a negative impact on ocean and waterway ecosystems. And along comes Angus, our our slurry tub hero with an incredible solution that we're going to learn about today. So true. And I mean, I guess the first thing we should answer for our audience listening, some will know, but some may not. You know, what is cement slurry? It's called slurry tub. So this is the key kind of problem that they're addressing. And uh, cement slurry or wet trade slurry uh, is what you get on a site, usually when you wash up tools and equipment. um, And it's basically cement water. So for those trades dealing with, you know, in particular cement. And Angus, you know, he's been a builder his whole life and he's seen firsthand Um, the issue around wash-up and disposal on-site, and also, you know, the thing that often happens, which is sometimes tradespeople taking shortcuts with the disposal of cement slurry. So that means, as you said, Tim, it, you know, washes into stormwater drains, it gets in the waterways, and this solution is basically a filter in a tub that separates the water and the cement and uh, that means that once dry, once that water has drained away from the slurry mixture, it can be thrown in a skip basically because you end up, you know, separating these two things and uh, and it's easy to dispose of uh, more responsibly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely oversimplifying it there, but what I love is a solution that everyone can kind of, you know, get, get their mind around. Yeah, and I love the origin story of this solution as well. I think we've had so many entrepreneurs come through our sort of ecosystem in recent times that are like Angus, they've just been exposed to a problem and they've looked around, they've asked that question, why isn't anyone fixing this problem? Oh, well, I guess I'll be the one to fix it, which I just love because imagine how it felt for Angus being so conscious and mindful of the impact that he was having as a builder and recruiting trades to build homes and to build offices or whatever it was. And he's now gone, you know what, I can no longer allow this to happen. I will be the innovator. I will take these risky decisions and look at what he's created. And 
the business is still very much in its early days and I just cannot wait to see this solution being adopted all around the nation and all around the world, which I'm sure it will do because it, it works. That's it. And we have seen uh, all the people, you know, they've got a pretty dedicated following of builders and tradespeople that are using Slurry Tub because it does work. And, you know, Tim, to your point, the best people to create the solutions to these issues, these problems, these challenges are those that deal with it day in and day out. And those those are kind of our, uh, you know, our oceanpreneur heroes, as it were. That's right. <laughs> and I feel it would be terrible of us to not mention one of the highlights for me of learning about Slurry Tub and what they do would be their uh, their official music video. Obviously, we want everyone to go look at the pitch video, which was great as well. But, you know, we might link in the show notes their official music video uh, for anyone who enjoys a laugh, particularly our Australian audience and any tradies that might be listening today. I, it's safe to say that you know our team Slack channel was was pretty uh, pretty pumped when we saw the the music video. Isn't that right, Tim? Yeah, it is very creative. We love creativity when it comes to engaging. What I am guessing is a pretty hard to engage audience. Uh, if you know what the trade industries are like, perhaps it's similar in in your nation where you're tuning for this, but maybe not stereotypically the most engaged in environmental issues. They're there to get the job done and go home and, and have a bit of fun outside of their hard, hard work day. So when you see this uh, very creative way to engage prospective customers and show basically the industry that you can be really cool by being conscious and trying to reduce your environmental impact of your operations. So very clever. It, it wasn't part of the the judging panel's kit in order to assess whether this was a, a winning startup or not, but it certainly is something which made us all feel very proud and stoked to work with a company that gets creativity alongside impact. Love it. I think people are going to really enjoy this episode. Guys, as always, let us know your thoughts. Leave us a review. You know, you can reply in a variety of the podcast platforms wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube if you happen to be watching. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Tim, and uh, enjoy this fantastic episode with Angus Hudson. Thanks, everyone. I'm so excited to have on the Ocean Impact Podcast Pitchfest 2022 series, the second runner-up of Pitchfest 2022 and the runner-up in the New South Wales Ocean Innovation Award, Angus Hudson, founder of Slurry Tub. How are you, mate? Oh, very well. Thank you, Tim. This is super exciting. I think people are going to get a lot out of this episode and so much of that comes down to your innovation but also to your story. So why don't we start there? Give us the little spiel about what it is Slurry Tub is and the problem that it's solving. Okay. Look, essentially it's a filter. It's, a, it's an engineered filtering system that's designed specifically for uh, wastewater created on building sites when tradesmen are using cement-based products. So that's, you know, my background is as a build, I've been a builder my whole life. And as a builder, I've witnessed the problem from site to site and always thought, oh, this isn't the best practice, particularly on smaller jobs where you'll have contractors that tend to wash up wherever they choose. You know, you are providing a building site. Often there's limited access to, to space because you're in someone's backyard or front yard. And I guess the problem was, where do people wash up this wastewater and how do you dispose of it? Through my sort of experience, it's always been a problem. And to solve the problem, I designed this filter or came up with this solution. Uh, the filter simply 
separates the sediment from the, the cleared water. It's so cool and everyone needs to go and check your pitch video uh, or look on your website to see this in action. But, yeah, just sort of going back to this because people out there are going, okay, so slurry tub, I can see what it's doing, but yeah, what is that ocean impact? And you've got to tell us. You've got to tell us all about the nasties that are actually in the stuff that is getting cleaned up and how that is currently making its way so easily to stormwater systems, to our creeks and our rivers and ultimately into the ocean. Yeah, look, I guess essentially the problem lies within the cement and what what contaminants are, are within cement and how they are so easily, as you say, transported into the um, into the shallows normally of any uh, ocean outlet that you know is that is in any city. The you know the heavy metals that are in cement are you know there's there's zinc, there's cadmium, there's uh, mercury, arsenic. There's a lot of um, contaminants that are con- contained within this wash water that are really easily transported through the, you know, the wash water into the ocean. And I guess, you know, what I was really surprised at or, or, or really happy to discover was that by filtering the water, we could almost reduce the cement contaminated water to Australian drinking water standards other than chromium and pH. But we could, we could remove 99% of the contaminants from the, from the water which which gave us a the ability to be able to allow that water to run into a garden not necessarily into the into the uh, stormwater system but to actually find a place or better to reuse the water on the same building site so you can complete the loop and I want to talk a lot a bit further on about the actual design and the innovation and how you went about the process of designing something so effective. But yeah, so here you are, you've been a builder for a long time. This this thing must have been niggling away. I'm, I'm guessing that you did whatever was sort of best practice or you deemed best practice to deal with the problem or encourage those contractors to do so. But yeah, it gives, give us a little insight to what's currently a solution to get rid of slurry and to clean up gear at the moment and, and what that sort of results in? Well, look, the, the current practice is to uh, to try to keep the... Firstly, you're not allowed to let anything off a building site. Like, you know, by council guidelines, you're not allowed to wash your car on the street. So theoretically, no liquid should ever leave a building site. But in practice, you know, time after time, I would turn up to a building site and see my concreters or my bricklayers hosing down the area where they're working, and that water is obviously going down the, you know, that the, the infrastructure that's within the property ends up in a stormwater system, whether it's through a drain within the property or overflows into the into the footpath. But the the you know the way it's managed at the moment is very poorly, but based on what I've seen over over my experience and through doing it. Uh, an environmental trial with the City of Sydney, which allowed us to access 40 building sites and let them experiment by using slurry tub as an option. Now, that gave me great insight to what other builders were doing. A lot of builders were doing nothing. Many builders try to catch the water in buckets or maybe things like a kid's swimming pool because they're, you know, to, to have the volume capacity or even use a wheelie bin and use a wheelie bin and fill it up. The problem with that, of course, is that it fills up really quickly and then it just overflows. So the, the idea of filtering the water as you capture it 
actually is is a fairly, you know, well, filtering it to the degree we filter it is a new concept. The council guidelines that currently exist ask people to arrange hay bales in a semicircle and to wash up within the hay bales. Now, that is a filtering solution, but the problem with that solution is that it allows any cement particles to just go straight through the hay bales and out onto the street. So I guess what it's about is refining this filtering system, making the filter, our filter is 25 microns, which is small enough to capture the particles of cement that carry the contaminants. And that was really the moment where I thought, this this thing is great, you know, like I, I can keep working on this problem and this we're getting to a solution. A lot of my time in the early days was working out how to filter the cement to be, for the water to leave clear. And I suppose to make it so that it was functional, right? I'm imagining that there's a bit of a barrier to adoption around this and, you know, you've obviously got all your experiences and relationships, but yeah, why don't we, we were going to talk about you, but let's go straight to this sort of design and uh, innovation process. How did you go through those steps to make sure A, it worked and B, it was going to be adopted? Okay. So, you know, from the idea, I engaged with a team of industrial designers to actually push the process further than I possibly could. I, I began the process by, you know, in my literally in my front yard, experimenting with wheelbarrows full of slurry and looking at the problem from a cement mixer, which is where most trades start the process. You know, the, the bricklayer or the, the tiler or any cement render, anyone who's using cement will usually use a cement mixer or mix it by hand. But it became really apparent that the wheelbarrow was the vessel that was used to transport the cement, and usually the wheelbarrow was the thing that washed, got washed out at the end of the day. So my first, I guess my first problem was to learn how to actually remove all the, the sediment from the wheelbarrow to capture it, not allowing it to escape, and for the filtering process to begin immediately. So I, I went through the whole process uh, initially before I engaged industrial designers and found it quite frustrating to actually work out what would be the best medium to use to, to filter the cement. So I began with like simply sponges and rags and worked through geofabrics and then got onto paper. Now, the paper became the, 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 the secret to the, the, you know, the, the way it works, much like a coffee filter works, which is to capture sediment. So we started experimenting with paper, found different papers that had to be wet strengthened, that had to be certain microns. And I also wanted the paper to be biodegradable. So it wasn't a plastic coated paper, but it would break down if it was, you know, once it's introduced back into the environment. So yeah, that's, that's how it all began. And so obviously with the, the paper, you know, being, I'm guessing if it's on its own, it's quite uh, fragile and can be perforated, but that's where I suppose that perfect tub and the way it just sits over there like a little sock was uh, was that final piece of the puzzle? Yeah, look, I, I guess what it, what it boiled down to was the paper being supported to allow it to, you know, hold up to 10 to, you know, 10 to 20 kilos of, of, of solid waste. And, you know, that, that, tub was designed specifically to hold 50 litres of, uh, of water. Now, 50 litres is the average wheelbarrow full of water, if you like. And the, min- the minute the, uh, the liquid hits the, the slurry tub, it starts draining immediately. So 
as you're tipping it in, it you know it starts to drain. So you can add more as the process is is progressing. Yeah, the the tub was designed specifically for support for the filter, but also to drain as quickly as it possibly could. Also to allow the user to capture the water if they needed to. So there's specifically um, the bungs that are that are used to control the water are compatible with hose fittings, regular hose fittings. So you can attach a garden hose to a slurry tub, put you know, let gravity work, put that hose in a bucket or in any other receptacle to capture the water that you're actually filtering, which means that at the end of the day, you've got a bucket full of clear water and the water comes out almost as clear as drinking water to recycle on the site the following day. That that process also eliminates the hosing process that a lot of contractors use, which is if they wash up on the on the street or some somewhere else, that they have to hose the um the 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 surface down that they're working on. We we estimated that two to three minutes of hosing created about another fifty liters of water that was being wasted. Mm, so good. And so obviously you got uh, the draining process happens. It becomes a, a rather firm mass of paper bound dried up slurry and then that just gets disposed of in the normal processes of, of getting rid of building waste off the site yeah that's right um the, the hardened waste in this in the slurry tub filter is then disposed of with your dry waste we are looking at the possibility of once we have scale at, at collecting that dried waste and giving that back to a facility to recycle into other other building products so cool. All right. Now, we're going to talk about you because these stories are just so fascinating. I, I picture this, uh, this, this builder and he's tink- you know, these ideas are ticking away in the back of his head and finally he starts tinkering in his backyard and his shed and, and we end up with this great innovation. But you know, aside from being a, a builder who clearly had a, a conscience and thought about this, where does this all really come back to at the end of the day? Like, you know, your passion for the ocean, for the environment, like why would you go out on a limb to work so hard to, to create this business? What is it about you that, 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 that makes that possible? I mean, I think it's an interesting question. I, you know, as well as being a builder, I love sailing. I've always surfed. I've always loved the ocean. We live, in a, we live on Sydney Harbour and, we've, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in the water sort of with, you know, our kids are now in their, you know, late teenagers, but as children spend a lot of time. And I have seen remarkable progress in Sydney Harbour in terms of, the cleanliness that's that you know that through um, different groups and the fact that over the you know the last ten years even the Parramatta River Group have done a huge great job in cleaning up Sydney Harbour. It just occurred to me that as a builder and working on a lot with a lot of people that are interested in preserving the environment, it did become a little bit of a responsibility to me to help contribute to the cleanliness of Sydney Harbour. And that's where it started. I guess the idea started with every small bit can help and that every building site that produces 50 litres, which doesn't seem like that much of wastewater, that 50 litres actually has loads of contaminants in it. And if you're in a street, often in the eastern suburbs, there are 10 building sites in, in any one street at any moment. And I kind of quickly thought, you know, that's 500 litres if there's 10 building sites going. And suddenly the, you know, the, the, the volumes of, of liquid that escape into our stormwater systems become quite, they become quite relevant. I, I think, 
you know, one of the interesting things I, I noticed was that these Sydney Harbour seahorses that are often prevalent and found amongst the nets that protect the beaches from sharks are the, now the habitat of these seahorses. And I was thinking, you know, where, where did these seahorses live prior to sea nets? And of course, they lived in the seagrasses that were always found in the shallows. The seagrasses are now very, you know, very few and far between, and they're still decreasing. And that's predominantly due to the fact that sediment that is carried through the stormwater system smothers the sea life, the aquatic life that exists on those foreshore areas. And so I guess it was just through my interest in, you know, in being in the water and and participating in recreation in the water, having the opportunity to observe these things and then thinking, actually, I can do a little bit to help if I start to take care of my own building sites, which led to the idea that everyone's got this same problem. I love it. Okay, so let's Let's go to this side of the story. So you've done all the tinkering, you've utilised the industrial designers, you've figured out the perfect way of it, and then you've got a product and its product is now ready to, to go to market. Tell us a little bit about what that was like, launching the product and, and getting those first customers, and that could be maybe a little prelude into where you are now and where you're heading. Yeah, look, it, it was it was interesting because as a builder, I still had to keep working as a builder and Slurry Tub was, it was my second interest. It was my sidekick. So I, you know, spent a lot of time looking for the right partner for, 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 to finance the business. So I went to, you know, I flew around, I met with teams from, from hardware chains to wheelbarrow manufacturers, trying to find a partner that would fit. I eventually found a venture capitalist group that put money into the the business. That allowed me to go from prototype. So I'd actually got to the stage where I had a prototype to go into production. That that was obviously where the business began and going to to a manufacturer to actually make the tub and, uh, and manufacturers to actually make the filters. So I began that process. I engaged a CEO for the business to run the business for me, to allow me to keep building. And through the CEO and myself, we worked to actually create this product in Australia. So we use a factory down in in Victoria to build the slurry tubs. And we used another Australian company to source the filters. And getting, you know, so we began by actually building the, the product. And then we began to look to distribute the product, which uh, was, you know, at first a little bit tricky, but as uh, as you move through, I think I think using uh, social media platforms gave us a little bit of exposure, and it wasn't long before Mitre Ten became aware of us, and they decided that they would use Slurry Tub on you know in their in their or, or carry Slurry Tub, and then their affiliation with the Block, which is you know a big TV program, was where we sort of first got a lot of exposure where the contestants of the on the block were all handed a slurry tub and said, you guys have to be careful the way you wash up with your, you know, your cement products. And that gave us some great exposure to begin the, the process of distribution, which is now, you know, well and truly set with Mitre 10, National Tiles, Total Tools, and other smaller uh, masonry, you know, sort of wholesalers that sell bricks and sand and cement. 
And a lot of these companies are now carrying our product. Awesome. I do want to talk a little bit more about the the marketing and social media and those kind of opportunities that you that you mentioned before there. But yeah, I just wanted to go back a little bit because that is fascinating. I imagine there's a lot of people who've been inventors and tinkerers who've developed a prototype and I don't know, actually know what the, the normal process would be going out trying to find your first customer. But this strategic decision, I suppose, to find the right partner who would invest and then also give you the capacity to then design the business to be run so that you could still go and be a builder and I just it just made me think that that was beautiful in its execution by the sound of it was it a strategy to build a successful business or was it simply just the default way because you had such demands as being a working builder look that look, it's the strategy was to build a successful business. I, I, you know, working as a builder. I mean, it 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 actually all happened in the middle of COVID, where I built the business. And what I found was that working as a builder during COVID became very very problematic due to one member of your staff getting it, and that would close down the site for three weeks while they recovered, and then another member would get it. And slowly but surely, I found building really frustrating through that period, which actually enabled me to spend a good year or two on working primarily on Slurry Tub to develop, you know, our marketing team, to develop, you know, our customers, to actually get, engage with organisations like Gecka, which Gecka is the good environmental choice of Australia. They We engage with them because we wanted to get... Uh, certification and clarity on what we actually do provide. Going through that process probably took two to three months of regular correspondence between uh, scientific laboratories, Gecka staff who wanted to uh, know what our claims were and to to actually get those claims certified by Gecka was quite a process, which you know, I felt it was really important to have any product that's an environmental product as a certif, you know, have a, a certification against it. So, yeah, I feel like my input was, you know, fairly intense in the in the very beginning of the business, engaging with a good st- like with good staff. So we've got three on the staff, and they're all excellent and very very. I mean, they're great believers in the product, and they're very dedicated to it. They. They spend a lot of their time, you know, thinking, talking, educating other people about the problem. I I guess it's through the staff that I've been able to expand the business in a way that I couldn't do. And that, you know, gave me the space to go back to building because I don't draw an income from Slurry Tub to allow me to continue uh, with what I do. But to, to now know that this business is up and running and starting to produce good income is really was that was my goal. Yeah, yeah. I just think people are going to be quite sort of fascinated to to know that that is a way, right? You know, you can because everyone thinks, how am I going to quit my day job to to build my startup? And there seems to be a way. And of course, you had COVID. You had this luxury of a couple of years to to invest a very important and strategic amount of your time and energy, but there is a way to to finance it and to run it and still do your day job. And then obviously the, the long-term horizons can be really exciting as the business grows and builds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, look, I think I was really fortunate with timing to, to meet the right partners. You know, it was, you know, turning a lot of stones and, and, and asking a lot of people 
trying to promote it. Obviously, you've got to talk about it the whole time. I've, I felt like I, I, you know, it was dominating my head headspace a lot of the time. But it was something I was very passionate about. So it was something that it was easy to talk about and easy to promote. I just hoped I didn't bore people to death about about it. Let's go into promotion because that, to me, seems to be. You know, there's a lot of things that are beautiful about the, the business and the product you've created, but the way that it is being marketed and knowing, being an Australian male with, of course, a lot of friends that work on building sites and trades, I haven't had to do a lot of that in my life, although I am renovating at the moment. But, yeah, I just think what you've done around promoting and building, you know, every brand needs to somehow find their tribe and build that tribe and there would be no, I can imagine, no other more challenging jobs than trying to convince trades to do something more a bit onerous for the sake of the planet it's, i just so just tell me a little bit about how you've done that and and what seems to be working i, I just feel like it's a it's a conversation that people are going to want to hear a bit more about yeah look I, I guess initially i was you know a little bit scared about the whole thing you know going to bricklayers who are big burly blokes and going hey guys you know what about washing up in this and and you know getting a response that was like yeah good on you mate you know we're pretty busy, don't annoy us. But in fact, I found the exact opposite. I, I I was really pleasantly surprised. And a lot of this happened to me because I engaged with the City of Sydney on their environmental performance trial. And that gave me the opportunity to go and speak to lots of tradesmen that weren't my tradesmen. My tradesmen, you know, were, were like, yeah, sure, Angus, you know, whatever. But they didn't really want to engage in it because they saw me as the builder, not as a slurry tub guy. But having the opportunity to talk to a lot of different uh, trades, builders, and, uh, and and even clients at the end of the day really gave me a lot more self-belief and belief in the product. Because I'd talk, you know, I'd go into these sites and a lot of the builders would say, oh, yeah, we were actually fined last week for... Um, slurry going out on the street. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, a problem I've had before. And I know that that's a good sign because it means that the enforcement's there and the, the councils are actually following up on this problem and, you know, and enforcing it. So I, I guess slowly but surely, I found people that were very, very willing to be part of a trial and more than that, wanted to actually keep going and using the product. So once you have that thing where you've got a, you know, a bricklayer that's running a team of 10 bricklayers that's going, we'll, you know, we're happy to talk about this because we'll take it to site and the builders that we're building for are really happy that we're not leaving a, a messy slurry covered backyard or concrete slab that carries mud and, you know, different contaminants all around the site into tradesmen's cars. So it became a, a, pro, a product that actually solved the safety side of a building site as much pain as well because slippery sites covered in slurry are really dangerous spots. And I think, you know, a building, like I know, you know, if I was building, or, or I'm sure you would feel this, if your builder is keeping a very neat and tidy site, that the building is actually being done very well. Whereas if you see a sloppy, muddy, dirty building site, your impression of the builder is going to drop. So I feel like that particular element carried the carried the process. So to get social media of these tradies who are doing work all over Sydney, a lot of them, you know, are surfers and people that love the natural environment, 
And they became my greatest ambassadors because they were the people that were saying, hey, Slurry Tub's great. You know, it's a great product. It's easy to use, saves us the problem. We know when we, when we haven't got one, we're doing the wrong thing if we're tipping it down a drain or into someone's garden. So it actually manifested itself, if you like, the fact that I had all this great input from tradies that enjoyed using the product. A good news story all around. That really is awesome. <laughs> so you've obviously got you know, those early adopters and pioneers and those that are convinced now and happy to, but where does the sort of the policy piece fit in the puzzle? I'm guessing, like you said, there's heavy fines and there's all sorts of repercussions if you don't do the right thing. So where does policy link up with the potential for your business to, to really expand? Look, it's a really interesting question. I, I think that advancement in technology and building has been happening for you know, for many, many years. And and as the building industry advances and techniques become, you know, more about the architectural design of houses, then more and more cement and concrete is being used. It's the, you know, it's the biggest material used in, in the construction industry. I feel that the advancement of the technology in taking care of the waste hasn't advanced as much. So I guess what I'm trying to do is educate Policy makers that there are there there is a better solution than, for instance, arranging hay bales in a semicircle to actually filter the water. Now I'm I'm getting good you know winning the award you know that was sponsored by the New South Wales government gave me a great opportunity to talk to our environmental minister who passed me on to the EPA. You know I've been engaging with the EPA. And they're very, very, you know, they, they hadn't heard about the product, so it was interesting to explain to them, you know, the problem which they're very aware of and they do have many campaigns. Every three months they run a campaign to assess building sites throughout New South Wales. They hadn't heard of Slurry Tub. They were thinking it's a great idea, but they, they can't promote it because it would be seen as promoting a private business and giving me an advantage. So what I do is I go back to councils. Many of our many local councils are engaged with our product, and I look to educate them to give uh, them the opportunity of knowing there is a product that they can suggest that anyone who's having trouble satisfying their uh, their requirements of containing sediment within their building site or filtering it, there's an option. You know, rather than using slurry, like using uh, hay bales or you know, a, a container to keep the slurry, you can actually filter it and allow that water to go into the ground. Very cool. All right. Uh, the next question, the next sort of area of the podcast we like to go into is just, you know, your key achievements and also your key challenges there. So I'll I'll give it to you whether you want to talk about the achievements or challenges first, but just a little bit, I guess, what's happened in the last few years. Well, look, I guess the business is only 18 months, just, well, a little bit more than 18 months old. So, you know, starting with nothing, getting a, a product to the market within the first probably four months of our existence was a huge achievement. You know, I remember the day we started saying we're for sale, you know, and we, we had a website where people could engage. And then, you know, I'd look at it and I'd say, how many did we sell this week? And they'd go, one. And I'd go, oh my God, how's this gonna, how's this gonna, gonna be, become a thing? We've sold up, you know, over five thousand now, so it's a, a thing that's definitely starting to pick up. But you know, getting the actually making a product that I was very, very happy with was the first big achievement. Then you know, engaging with different 
hardware chains was, you know, and, and, and having agreements with these chains to distribute our product was another big agreement, uh, another huge achievement. I feel like the award we won through the Ocean Impact Organization made me personally very, very satisfied with what we'd done. And to get that kind of recognition for me was a huge achievement. You know, that, that, that represented so much to me that we were actually recognized as doing something for the environment. Since, since then, which was in November last year, you know, we've, I, I went across to Las Vegas to the world of concrete where we launched our product in America, in the USA. And that launch proved very, very successful. We got a huge amount of interest from both end users and uh, resellers that were very interested in our product. And since then, we've, you know, we've signed an agreement with a, a major distributor in the United States that will now carry our product. And I feel like, you know, that's probably at, as the as the months tick by, I sort of the achievements keep coming. But that that latest achievement of now being available in the US as well as Europe for me is is huge because it just proves the worthiness of this pro- product. But it also talks to me about this problem being a worldwide problem. Yeah, and let's go there just quickly. I mean. Um... <laughs> Is there? There's obviously key markets that you can look at next, and getting into the US is a huge one. But is the is the sky the limit? I mean, is there certain cultures and regions that don't build in a way where they they couldn't utilize slurry tub, or is it literally a solution that could be used anywhere there's concrete being used? I mean, it's a good question. I feel like it's the latter. I feel like this product it's a low cost. You know, like like in terms of what it offers, it's a it's a filter that cleans dirty water separates you know the dirty water and and, ma- and and essentially reverse engineers it and makes clean water i feel that you know certainly in the developed world there's a great market for it because you know there's a lot of concern about you know the the state of the environment and and you know the the, the fact that it is in poor shape and you know the the state of the environment report that came out uh, last year made it really clear that you know we we really have to start acting and I feel like in the first world it it will be a, a product that becomes normal to use in, in, in you know in other developing countries I'm sure it will start to become a thing I'm not expecting that market to to be a market that carries the business at all in the early days but I'm sure a version or our product will become something that people start using all over the world on building sites. Fantastic. Oh, you get me excited. And just going back to you know being so appreciative of of the of the accolades with with Pitchfest and with the New South Wales Ocean Innovation Award. Like you were just a pleasure to have on the podium. You know, you're you were so happy, you were so appreciative and it just made us feel good about the work that we do too. So the feeling was rather mutual there. Let's just talk a little bit about the the future for you. Sort of, uh, you've probably spoken quite a bit about it, even then, just talking about those uh, distribution deals. But anything else in the pipeline for the next twelve to twenty four months that you wanted to share on the podcast? Look, yeah, growing the business is um, is is the major. You know, the fr- you know making it a financially successful business is now very important because people have invested money into it, and I want those people to you know reap the rewards down the track. I guess developing new products is something that I've you know we're starting to put a lot more time into now that this business uh, particularly the size of the 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 actual slurry tub is often questioned 
um, because people who have larger volumes of slurry often say, you know, it's not big enough. It's not a very simple problem to, to solve because the actual uh, logistics of a piece of, of paper being the filter mean that if it gets too big and if it's perforated, it's too heavy to carry if it's full of slurry, become a further problem. But there are ways around that and we're looking at developing a larger product. We're also looking at developing a, you know, a range of products that could assist around. For instance, the, the, uh, the fact that it can be used as a washout tub and when I say tub, it, it more as a sink for washing tools out than a, a, a tub that sits on the ground. So a lot of people are now starting to use it. In fact, yesterday, a Tyler shared a video where he's got it sitting on a table and a bucket underneath it. And at the end of every day, he simply washes all his tools into the slurry tub and the water's collected underneath in a, in a bucket. And I feel like the development of, of the, the product to actually facilitate that in a really simple way is something we, we're, we're wanting to do sooner rather than later. So, you know, I guess it's just trying to make it easier for trades and people who are using, you know, wanting to use the filter to prevent, you know, protect the, the drainage or the environment around where they're working is what we're trying to assist with. Thanks so much for sharing that. Next question, some key learnings from your journey as a founder that you would like to share. Uh, there's a lot of people tinkering away or with big ideas and wondering how on earth they turn it into a successful enterprise. So yeah, just some key learnings from your journey, if you wouldn't mind. Well, I think that's a really interesting question. I, I you know, I remember the, the, the actual moment I thought I'm going to develop a product was when I turned up at a building site, I saw a wheelbarrow lying on its side. I saw slurry all over the ground. And I thought, I've got to, I've got to help, help with this problem. And every builder would suffer it. It took me, I think from having that thought, it took about two or three years to actually start, you know, doodling on paper, designing things, coming to the conclusion that you could design something to assist. I feel like a lot of it became you know, when do you actually fire the arrow of I have a product? And that became something that was in my head that I didn't want to launch something that wasn't fully, you know, complete in its in its addressing of that problem. So I feel like a key part for me was to actually keep developing, keep developing, keep developing until you're actually satisfied that you have the the right solution for the problem. And, and that process did take, that, that's when I talked about working with industrial designers and using people that were really well trained in the field to help solve this problem. And it was a collaboration. It's not like I just did this thing on my own. You know, I was working with other people that were very passionate about solving this problem. So I feel like collaborating with other people, getting to the moment where you go, we are solving a problem, and then carrying that on to create a prototype when, you know, and, and when I say a prototype, there were many, many, many prototypes, but a prototype that we believed was something that you could market. And then once we're at that point, looking for funding. And I, f I feel like if that had been a premature moment, we wouldn't have got the funding we got. So I feel like just holding, keeping your powder dry, if you like, until you are so satisfied that what you've got is the best possible solution for the problem really was was a factor in the products succeeding. Was that 
innate for you or did you have some mentors and advisors around you that were sort of sort of saying Angus you know wait or did it is that just the way it transpired and what felt right in you no it was you know when you say was there one person no there wasn't one person but I discussed this problem with you know many people who are quite advanced thinkers uh, you know business people that understand the way businesses work it certainly was something where I was you know always champing at the bit to release but I feel like holding it back actually made me aware of other products uh, sorry other problems that were associated with this little problem I think you know definitely collaborating with people that surrounded me you know my family became really involved in it and we discussed it a lot and their feedback was tremendous for me because it gave me you know really their insight into the fact that this problem was real it needed to be solved properly and taking your time and solving it was the right way to do it and not just rushing out with anything Oh, so enjoyed this this conversation and and working with you, mate. So we're about to wrap up. So the last little portion is it's a, ch- a chance to share anything that you wanted to talk about today that you haven't had a chance to talk to yet. And then finally, just directing people where they can learn more, buy the product, follow your journey, etc. Okay. Look, I you know I, I I feel like there's not a lot more that I need to share. I feel like. Most most people want to do the right thing and I feel that if they understand that there's a solution for a problem, then it's an inexpensive solution. It's not a, you know, it's not a big cost to actually spend $6 a day on a filter. So I, I, I'm really, you know, quite, I, I, I mean, it's, it's such a simple problem. It's such a simple solution. I don't think there's a lot more to explain about that. I guess moving forward, you know, I'm excited about the growth of the business. I'm excited about developing more products. I'm excited about the fact that, you know, builders are very, very, you know, aware that they're, you know, that they can save further contamination of waterways by really simple measures and that they're really willing to do it and share it. Yeah, that's been a beautiful takeaway from this conversation today. You know, I could, I came in with some perceptions that you were really up against it trying to convince people but you're right people are innately good and they want to do good and if it's a simple solution and it's not going to cost the earth then they will be your biggest fans so just a huge thank you uh, angus um big congrats to you and the whole team on the on the award and and where to next so uh yeah thanks for joining us today thank you so much tim it's been a pleasure really enjoyed it Guys, we hope you enjoy this episode. Please leave us a bit of feedback. It really helps us out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review. On Spotify, you can let us know what you loved about the episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to drop us a comment or hit the like button. It means a lot.